the resurrection and I. And I'd like to have a little bit of a focus on that. So I want to ask you a question. How many of you can, can help me uh, or uh, identify where these figures will fit into? I've got four figures this morning that I would like to share with you that are all very important about where we are today. It's the number 28. It's the number 16. And all of these numbers will have something in common. 28, 16, 24, and 20. 28, the number 16, the number 24, and the number 20. Anybody have, have any idea how they connect, how they connect it to one another? There's something in common that they each have. <laughs> and it's an amazing story. Think again. Yes? Sorry? Uh-uh. There's something about the, what, it, what it talks about. Massive, massive, look at that. Jeez, I've got something for you. <laughs> Maybe the guys on that side, they were ready with it as well. But it's Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, and John chapter 20 talks about this one story, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you've never thought about numbers, well done, well done. You, you can be reminded this morning, if you want to go and read about it, and that's what I did this week. I just spent time in Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke chapter 24, and John chapter 20, and, and just meditated upon this beautiful, beautiful event called the resurrection. And I'd love to take you to Luke chapter 24, because what happened was when I was reading through this and meditating on it, there's two words that kind of stood out for me. And it's kind of like the worst, not the worst, but the least words or the ones that you would least think about in terms of what this is all about. And so I want to ask you to go with me to Luke chapter 24. There's an amazing thing that we read about here in this chapter. And um, I'm going to read to you from verse 1 to 12 as we, as we consider just this most amazing, beautiful event. It says here, on the first day, Luke chapter 24 and verse 1. So it's not going to be up here. It's just a reference. That's why we encourage you to bring your Bibles. My Bible and I. Uh, uh, what a wonderful tree. There's a song about that. We're not going to sing it now, so don't worry. You want me to sing it, Chip? No. Why not? Huh? Jeez. <laughs> it says, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. This is now after Jesus' crucifixion and him being buried in the tomb. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Say with me, rolled away. But when they went in, they did not find the body of Jesus, the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? You go to a, a tomb, you're going to find living there? I mean, all of us would have gone to look for the dead, isn't it? The two men are angels and... Um, and it's, they're saying, listen, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. 
but has risen. Say with me, has risen. <laughs> and it says, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Johanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. Say with me, idle tale. It seems to be an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, and he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. So the Greek word leiros stood out for me here in verse 11. Did you see that Greek word there, leiros? Huh? You see it? It's there. It's the Greek word leiros, which in English, we always do it the other way around. But this time, this morning, we're going to start with the Greek and say, the Greek word leiros stood out in verse 11. And it's the word in English called idle tale. They saw and thought it was just an idle tale. Now, if you translate the word leiros into English, it's more than just idle tale. It actually says nonsense, silly talk. That's what they thought this was. <laughs> come on, we've come to look for the dead among the dead. And you're saying that there's living among the dead? This is idle tales. It's silly talk. It's nonsense. Huh? None of us would have thought that when we were there, hey, if we had been there that morning. You would have all said, no, I know that Jesus is alive. And, hey? Or would you have also, Leros, Leros, idle tale. <laughs> Now, it says Peter ran in there, and he stooped, and, and, and he looked in, because it's like idle, idle tale, and, and, and it's nonsense. But let me just go and have a look for myself. Like, ah. It says he, he did this thing in Greek, thaumazo. He looked in, and he thaumazoed, which means he wondered. He was marveled at it. It says, he went home marveling at what had happened. He's like, I don't actually have a clue what's going on, yeah? I have no clarity about this thing. Marveled is, I'm quite perplexed. Thaumadzo. And so we see this happened. Now jump with me to what's the chapter in John? 20, come on, come on. It's in John 20. Let's just go and see what the other guy with Peter did. Who was with Peter, by the way? Who knows? There were two men, and, they, and we'll see here, they ran. And the other one outran Peter. Peter seemed to be either unfit or not so fast. Uh -huh. Some of you identify with that? No, don't worry about showing your hands. Uh, anyway, so we read in John chapter 2, or John chapter 20, the first thing, the, the next thing. Uh, it says, now on the first day, it's the same story, but there's a little bit of more, uh, some other detail in here. It says, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. We've seen that. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, who's the other disciple whom Jesus loved? John, thank you. That's good. Not that Jesus didn't love the other disciples. It's kind of weird because John wrote this book. He's like, the other disciple whom Jesus loved. No, he probably wasn't like that, all right? Um, he doesn't mention his name. He just says, hey, remember, that's me. Um, and said to them, 
They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So they're like, he's not alive. He's just been taken out of the tomb. Uh huh. He's taken somewhere else. They're hiding him. Like people still believe today they did that. And anyway, so Peter went out with the other disciple, John, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together. Now, they, they, they took quite anxious, I guess, and they weren't excited, and, and excited about this. And, 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 and so they're out, the one the other disciple, again, he doesn't make a name mentioned, you know. He's like, me, John, I outran Peter. <laughs> and, and reached the tomb, the tomb first. And in verse 5 it says, and stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in there. So, so John didn't go in. So then <laughs> Peter arrives. In verse 6, Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb. He goes in. And he saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head. Not lying with a linen cloth, but folded up in a place. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, Jesus just, let me just fold it up nicely. It's like you youngsters when you get out of bed, and you just nicely, you know, make your bed. And, and when you, you know, take your clothes off, you fold it nicely and put it into yeah, yeah, well done. Jesus did it. Come on, there's a lesson here. Anyway, that's besides the point. And so what happens is, then the other disciple in verse 8. Remember what we said in Luke 24? That Peter looked in and he went away marveled. Like, I wonder. I don't know what's happening here. Then the other disciple in verse 8 says, he did the following, which is John, which we now know who had reached the tomb first, also went in. It's amazing that John just kind of reiterates that again. It's like, I mean, forget about the fact that, that we're at the tomb, and, but I've got to just mention that I was there first. It's kind of like typical male talk, this, I think. <laughs> anyway, um, and so he reached the tomb first, also went in. And listen to what happened to him. And he saw an pisteo, which what do you think pisteo means? Believe, that's it. It's a clear. Your Greek is amazing this morning. Hey? So he pisteoed. He says, I see. I see nothing. Because there's nothing. It's just a nicely folded little face cloth and linen cloth. He saw and pisteo. He believed. How's that? Amazing, eh? The one walks away, thalmazo. <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. Other one's like, I look in, there's nothing. I pisteo. I believe. And so no longer is it a, a silly, nonsense thing for John. It is something that he believes in. He doesn't say Leros. No, it's an idle tale, this. It is absolutely silly talk. I look in and I believe. And I believe. My question to us this morning is, what is my, what is your conviction about the resurrection of Jesus. Is it Thaumazo? I wonder. Is it Leros? Idle talk or idle tale? Or is it Pisteo? I believe. Three words that you've got to understand could determine the rest of your life. It's as serious as that. Seriously. It's either Leros, it's this idle tale, this man, it's just, a, it's just a story, it's like nonsense, or it's, I don't, I'm still wondering, I'm thamadzo about this, I'm not quite clear, or it's pisteo, I'm confident 
that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and is alive today. That believe, whatever word you use this morning, my friends, determines your future. That's why when we talk about the resurrection and I, it is what is your connection to the resurrection? We've got to ask this question. Is it possibly just an idle tale, a wonder, something that leaves me marveling, or is it something that I really believe and convinced that it actually happened? And then, you know, one of the big things about the follow-up question is this, that I, that I find that maybe we do have pisteo about him, that, that he did do and went through what he went through for me and you. But do I actually fully understand what this event has done for me? Do you realize this morning that when Jesus was resurrected, it has certain implications for you today. It happened 2,000 years ago. But today, if your pisteo is, yes, I know that he did it. Do you know what that means? Or shall we just say, oh, yeah, okay, Jesus rode from the dead. So what? So what? Or is it, man, I, I fully understand, I believe it, and I know the implications for me. Are we going to talk about that? Because otherwise we live in this world where we, we have this at our disposal, but we don't take note of it. And, and taking note of it, of something, made me think about an event that took place in my life a couple of years ago. I, I was part of a church staff, and, and, and it was in Joburg, Midrand, the church that we were in before we came here in, in Urban Life Church. And, and that morning, they, they thought it best for all the staff, um, for all of us on staff at the church to go through a first aid course. How many of you have ever been on a first aid course? How many of you? Okay, there's a couple of you. Anyway, so I went on it and, and a friend of mine came and he did it and it was like, you know, he showed us all the stuff and you know, breathing and rest, you know, how do you help with all this stuff? And... Uh, <laughs> and I felt like God was reminding me of this because I'd never actually given it some thought again since 2000 and uh, I think it was 2008 that I did this. And so as I was preparing and thinking about, you know, we've got the resurrection, but do we really know? I remember and God showed me so clearly this week as I'm preparing. And he brought this example of 2008, first aid course, and I realized I can't remember nothing. Serious, this is a confession, public confession. If you're in trouble right now, I'll give you paracetamol. <laughs> and I hope that it will work. The reality is, I was there. They showed us all this stuff, and you know, typical thing that you go through in first aid. But I can remember, zip, which is the Greek for nothing. And to my astonishment this week, I was, oh God, I'd probably have to confess then or something. Because I, I mean, I was supposed to go through this and come out with some knowledge of how to help others. Because that's really why we do it. It's not for yourself. Oh, this is for yourself. It's a course that you can help yourself. So when you get into trouble, you can just, I don't know, breathe and breathe out. I don't know. It's obviously for somebody else. And I'm like, oh, God, by your mercy, I've not had to help anybody since then. I mean, I've had, you know, in other ways. 
but, but a first aid situation where somebody's in serious trouble and I've got to bail them out and do the whatever needed to be done. I've not had to do that. And thank you, Jesus, for that. But this morning, it's a confession that I probably have to kind of just get myself ready. So if you want to help me, I'm available and I will take note. But the point is this, that we go through things in life. And I don't know how many of you that raised your hand that you've done a first aid course can do it. I'm, I trust all of you because none of you are as bad as I am. I've forgotten everything. Can't remember a thing. Most of you that have done it, I'm sure you still 100 there and you can help. Point is this, that we are exposed to things constantly around us, how much of that do we take in? And the resurrection is probably the most important thing that we should consider. And my question to us is, how real is it to you? The resurrection and I, does it hit home this morning? Where are you and I? And I, I want to just take you to three things. I mean, seriously, they're like multiple things that the resurrection has done for us as believers. But this morning, it's just going to be three. And um, to help us value, appreciate, and, and see this applied in our lives every single day. So the question is, what does it mean that, that Jesus was raised from the dead? What does it mean? It's like, so what? Yeah, he was. But what does it mean that he was raised from the dead? Can you answer that question? Yes, we've been saved and, and salvation has come. But do you know that there's so much that comes and, 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 and is on offer, freely on offer for us? And the first thing I want to share with you is from the book of Romans. So please page with me or swipe with me. And point is, stay awake with me. We always just use those other language or other ways of describing it to actually say, please stay awake. And these days you're so far away from your neighbor. We can't always do the thing that we do and have done in the past. Like, hey, just shake your neighbor or kiss your neighbor. We normally did that. But nowadays with COVID, we can't, you know. So it's just kind of, if your neighbor is close, just you know, check on them, please. Romans chapter 4 talks about the fact that because of the resurrection of Jesus, I am justified. I am justified. And it's a big word because it's a legal word. It has incredible relevance for us that the resurrection took place and it actually did happen. By the way, we're not going to talk about the proof of it today, but it's such a great actual investigation to go into to see what, what people say about it. Not just the Bible, but historians. And nobody to this day that have tried to prove that he wasn't raised from the dead, has been able to prove that. 2,000 years later, they tried to, no, the body was stolen and it was hidden somewhere and, and this and that. And it's, it's a fact that Jesus was raised. The, the biggest thing for us as believers is, what does that mean for us today? And so the first thing is that Paul teaches us in Romans 4 that we are justified. So let me read with you from chapter 4 and verse 20. It's talking, talking here about the belief of Abraham, and it's going to lead us into what we need to talk about. It says, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise. This is Abraham, right? No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced. Say with me, fully convinced. So he was absolutely steadfast in his faith. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Are you fully convinced this morning? It's just a simple question. 
that part of the preach. Just, are you fully convinced? That is why his faith, Abraham's faith, was counted to him as righteousness. But the word, words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. All right, so talking about the resurrection. Now comes the application. It says in verse 25, who was delivered, Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. We don't have time to go into all the detail of this portion, but it really, yeah, firstly talking about Abraham, how he believed God, and Abraham looked ahead to the promise. He was like, I was fully convinced that what God has promised will come to pass, all right? We look back because what Abraham was hoping for happened happened. We can now look back and say, I know that this took place. Jesus was born. Amen. Jesus lived. Jesus was killed and Jesus was raised. We look back to that and we say, my faith is built on what has happened. Therefore, what will happen is based on what has happened. And I have confidence in him that has done this to take me into what has not happened yet. So Abram has this incredible example that he teaches us. And as we believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead, we are not only freed from our trespasses here in verse 25, but we are also justified by him. Romans 3 verse 23 to 24. Let me read this to you. This is so important for us to understand as we Go into the detail of what justification means. It says in Romans 3 verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We receive this justification when we put our faith in Jesus. So what does justification mean? It's such a big word and it's such an important word. To help us to understand what the resurrection has brought about for you and me. Firstly, justification is an instant legal act of God in which he, he takes our sin and he considered it forgiven. And he thinks of our sin as forgiven. In one moment. This is what happens in, through being justified. It happens in one moment. It's not as I grow closer to God or as I come to church more often or as I read my Bible more. If I put my faith in Christ because of what he done through the resurrection, I am justified in one moment. We often use this term justified and we say just as if I had never sinned. So justification takes place immediately and God declares me righteous because of what Jesus did. By him being raised from the dead and overcoming sin, I am, as I put my faith in him, I'm justified, I'm declared righteous because of what Jesus has done. And unless we understand these things, and, and unless we believe in them and, and fully function in them, one of the things that, that the devil does is that we don't live in the reality of what the resurrection has accomplished for us. And we could think it's an idle tale. That's a nice story. It's just a nice story. 
But this is what happened through Jesus being raised. He declares me free through his resurrection from the dead. And these are massive redemptive implications for us because of what Jesus did on the cross, folk. We dare not consider it idle talk when we refer to the resurrection of Jesus. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, his resurrection is applied and it means that I'm declared not guilty. He declares that. The sad thing is this. When we don't live within this full realization that I'm justified, it is like an innocent person staying in prison, not aware of the fact that he has been declared innocent and free to go. How many of you would love to live like that? None. Nobody wants to be in prison when you've been declared innocent, but it does happen that we hear about the resurrection. We even believe in that fact that Jesus has died and, and rose again for us, but we don't fully understand the implication. So it's like, I'm in prison. I'm free to go, but I choose to stay. Who in the world would want that? So no, that's no, not true. <laughs> yes, there's this notice that it's come through to my cell, number 435, whatever it is. And hey, Vesey, you're free to go. I'm like, no, man, it can't be true. I mean, I, you know what I did? Do you know what I did? You're telling me that I'm free to go regardless of what I've done? When we put our faith in Christ, that's really what happens. The notice comes around, says, this man is innocent. He's been declared not guilty. Bam! You can go. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, really? Just now I go out and they, and they arrest me again? You're free. <laughs> I think I'm, I'll be okay here. Imagine that. That's why I say to us, we cannot live without the revelation of what the resurrection truly has accomplished for us. We cannot just say, well, I know that he did it. But we know we need to understand what he did for us. The second thing that our that the resurrection has accomplished for us is that it means that my faith is established. It's solid. In 1 Corinthians, oh man, this is a beautiful portion of scripture. I'm so privileged to be able to share with you this. And I just so enjoyed reading it through the week, um, this past week, as I just gathered a bit of water. Um, but yeah, in, in Corinthians chapter 15, I want to read to you the following from verse 12. Paul's talking. He says, now if, say with me, now if. And what we're doing now after the now if is that we're doing what the Bible says. Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead. That's what we're proclaiming this morning. So Paul's saying, now if you're proclaiming that, listen to the next. Are you, are you ready for the next? Okay, you all okay for that? Can I carry on? It says, if you proclaim that Jesus has, raised, has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Okay, so if you say, nah, this is an idle tale, it's just impossible. It's Leros. This could never happen. Paul's saying, well, if you're saying that the dead can be, not be raised, then Christ could not be raised. And then it says in verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, 
then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be represent, misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Say with me, futile. So by the way, then we can go home now. You can have a hot cross bun. And just forget about the fact that we've come actually because Jesus Christ has been raised. It says further on, then those who have also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all, all people most to be pitied. I'm shame, guys. I mean, seriously, you guys believe in a Savior that came to die on the cross and then he was raised again? Oh, we're going to be pitied. But we know the country took place. That our faith is established because of what Jesus did. This is the important thing. I believe as followers of Christ is hinged on this. Many people believe that Jesus came to us as a baby. Lovely, celebrate that Christmas. Jingle the bell, whatever. Many people believe that. Many people believe that, hey, there was a cross moment where he died. But this is what your faith and my faith hinges on. If you cannot this morning have pisteo, faith, in what happened that day, or you're saying, Thaumazo, I'm just marveled by it. Whoa, it's an amazing thing. I don't really know, think it's true. Or you even have idle tale, you're like Leros. Nonsense. Our faith has no substance unless we believe, pisteo, that Jesus was raised from the dead. If we don't have this, people, we have nothing. We have absolutely nothing. So this morning we're challenging ourselves, the resurrection and I. Where do I stand about this moment in the history of humanity? This is the most significant moment in the history of the world. This is actually bigger than Christmas. Did you know that? We make such a big deal about Christmas and praise the Lord for Christmas. There couldn't have been a resurrection unless there had been a Christmas, all right? But there could not be salvation unless there had been a resurrection. Your salvation, my salvation is dependent upon my belief about the resurrection. My faith is established through the resurrection. If your faith has not a substance in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I say this with much respect to you, but I've got to tell you that your faith is empty. And so we're confronted with the resurrection and I today. Where is your faith? The resurrection means that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus, that what he did, what Jesus did, was good enough to deliver people from sin, and God therefore brought him back to life to complete the work that was started. Jesus said, Tetelestai, it is finished. God said, okay, your work is finished, but not my work. Romans 8 verse 11 says, it is the spirit who raised Jesus 
that brought him into life that also abides in us. But that is the spirit of the Father. It's the Father who raised Jesus. Whenever the apostles started preaching in Acts 2 and, and throughout the, the, old, the New Testament and the letters, we see how they reference the Father as having raised Jesus from the dead. So the Father said, your work is done, my son. Now my work completes this whole process. And I will raise you up. Because unless I raise you up, it is not complete. This is what Paul is saying when he says in 1 Corinthians that if Christ did not rise, the following would be true. He, Paul is saying, guys, if he did not rise, if you don't base your faith on this, the following is true. Your preaching and faith is in vain. It's useless. It's nonsense, idle tale. Second thing he would say from Corinthians 15 is that the apostles, we are liars and we should basically then disregard the rest of what they wrote. Because if they, if they lied about this, why believe the rest? Come on. If they lie about the most crucial thing ever that took place, why would, believe the, why would we believe the rest? Why would we even consider the epistles, the letters that Paul wrote? Why would they be important to us if we do not fully grasp the, rel the relevance and the impact of the resurrection? No forgiveness of sins could be available if Jesus didn't rise. Those who have died believing in Christ have no hope. We all must then be pitied because we have nothing to hold on anymore. Everything is different because of this one event. And we cannot therefore see it as an idle tale. But if you do, then, then there's nothing. It's your call. It's your call. You've got to come to a biblical knowledge of, do I really believe that it took place? And is my faith firmly established upon this? The last thing I want to mention this morning is, if Jesus was resurrected, then it means that I am raised and seated with Christ in heavenly places. And Ephesians is this beautiful, boy, oh boy, that's so Wrong in a sense to rush through these things because there's such beauty in them. But Ephesians 2 and verses 4 to 7 says the following. Let me read to you from verse 1. And um, please permit me just to share with you this last point. It says in verse 1, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Say with me, dead. And it says, in which you aren't walk, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom you all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, who are by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Praise the Lord for the next two words that come up. Say them with me. Oh, love it. I love those two words. But God. You got to look for the but gods in scripture. Hey, there are plenty of them. It says, ah, you were filthy and oh, sinful of sin and blah, 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 all that stuff. And then, but God, say with me, but God. And then Paul says, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying, guys, you were stuck here. It was a mess. But God says, 
you're going to experience my grace. I raise you up out of your misery. And I seat you in heavenly places. You're still seated here in Bulawayo at the moment, hey? But you know what? He has positioned us spiritually in a different place. And that is what the resurrection has accomplished for us. I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. What does it mean to be a child of God? It means that I think differently, that I act differently, that I, I'm not a citizen of Zimbabwe primarily. I'm a citizen of heaven. That's where my home is. This life will come to an end one day, and we will be able to depart from here. And we live with that mindset that this is just a short period of time. Whether it's 70 and 76 for some people this morning, well done, Wally. Happy birthday. Didn't want me to do that, but anyway, praise the Lord. <laughs> um, the point is, how long the time we have here on earth is actually irrelevant. It's how we live while we are here that is relevant. And it's dependent upon understanding that Jesus accomplished that for us through the resurrection 2,000 years ago. We've got to live within that truth. Please, please don't live in the mud. Live with an understanding of what Christ has accomplished for you and me. And it's typically, again, coming back to that, that prison story, it's now the guy says, okay, I'm not guilty, I can go out. But then I live outside as though I'm still inside. How many of you heard the saying that they say, you can take a person out of Egypt, but to get Egypt out of the person is another task. And Jesus has come to take us out of our, our Egypt, which is our sinful life, our slavery. But how many of us live as free children, sons and daughters of God, now that we have been set free. They say prison rituals are often repeated after release from prison because people are changed in deep and lasting ways by 24-hour a day, year in and year out prison environments. No matter how long they've been there, it's a 24-hour a day. It's a ritual over and over and over and over and over again. And when they come out, they just carry on with that. I saw a, a YouTube uh, video just last night about a man who was imprisoned when he was 25. He came out 44 years later. He's 69. And he goes into New York and he sees the people walking around with these things in their ears. And they're like, who are they talking to? Because they're not, seeing, they're not talking to one another. They're talking, but they're not talking to somebody else in person. And he had no idea about iPhones and about earphones and about all that stuff. And he's confronted with this reality of, what is going on? 44 years of being in prison. You can imagine how difficult it is to have another mindset outside of that. And it's the same, folk, that happens when we don't understand what Jesus accomplished for us at the cross and through the empty tomb. We live with a Egypt mindset, with a slavery, a sinful mindset and said, I can't do this and I won't ever and I am never able to amount to anything because you'd believe the lie. And my and our our agenda and our motivation for standing up here is not to present ourselves as perfect, but is to help us out of Egypt. And not just out of Egypt, but help Egypt out of us. Because so much of Egypt lives in us still. And I pray for us this morning that we will be free from whatever ritual we were exposed to and live on earth as citizens of heaven and not citizens of this earth. Because this 
is a passing by place. We are really from somewhere else. You're actually aliens, you know, you know that, hey? <laughs> no, seriously, this is just a passing by place. And praise the Lord for His grace and let us live here. But we want to store up treasures for heaven, not for here. So all this stuff that you have, well done. But don't put your identity and your value as a human being on those things. Because through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you've been raised out of a life of futility, of no value, of no significance, of no identity. And you're seated with him in heavenly places. We've got to understand what that means. You've got to be biblically literate to understand these things. And so please, I close. Don't lay ross. Don't idle tell the resurrection of Christ. Don't thamadzo even. Don't, ah, I wonder, it's a great idea or great thing he did. But rather have a pisteo, absolute confidence that what he did was necessary. And what he did is it changed who I am. And what he's done for me and my identity and my purpose. I want to pray for any one of you this morning. We're going to have communion after this. So we're not rushing out yet. And by the way, after communion, coffee and tea and there's hot cross buns and just celebrate this moment together. And the hot cross buns had no spiritual value. It's just hot cross buns, all right? The real thing about the resurrection is Jesus, that he's alive. I want to ask you, I want to ask two different groups of people this morning to, to consider responding. The first group of people would be those that have understood perhaps and heard about Christ and what he had come to do, that he was killed, he was murdered because he did it for your sin and my sin so that we could be free from sin and be forgiven and that he was raised from the dead to actually say, I've overcome sin. Sin could not hold me, death could not hold me, I've overcome it so that you can be free. But some of you may sit here this morning and say, I've never seen that applied in my life. I've never come to the place where I say, Jesus Christ, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I acknowledge that I need your forgiveness. I acknowledge that I've, I've never been close to you. I've never had a relationship with you. I don't know what it means to be free. I'm stuck in my sin. And if that is you, we'd love to pray for you and with you. The second group of people could be those amongst us that say, you know, the resurrection, I've heard of it. I've often thought about it. Yeah, I've read 28, I've read 16, I've read 24, I've read 20. I've read those things, but I've never actually understood what it means for me today. I've never actually walked in that complete deliverance and victory that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has brought for me. I want to walk and live in that. And it's not just one moment. It's a, a process of growing and understanding. God, please help me to understand what it means to be justified. Help me to understand that my faith is dependent upon. Help me to understand what it means to be seated and, 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 and raised with you. That you say, God, please help me. I want to pray for those two groups of people. Is that okay? I want to ask you to close your eyes. Just let us Embrace this moment and allow God to, to speak like best 
Like he's the best one to do this. Holy Spirit, we, we ask you right now to go beyond the words that I've had and that I've spoken about. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will penetrate our hearts with the truth right now. I want to pray, first of all, Father, for people that have never applied the gospel message to their life. The gospel message is this, that Jesus Christ came to die for sinners that could not save themselves. And he came in the form of a man, and he died on a cross so that we can receive forgiveness. And Father, if there's anybody here this morning that have never said yes to Christ and acknowledged their sin, I pray that you will stir them by the work of your Holy Spirit right now to say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness. I'm going to just pray a short prayer. And if you, in the quietness of your own heart, are seated there and eyes closed, if you want to pray this prayer with me, it's not conning you and, and, and manipulating you in any way. It's just praying a prayer that says, Jesus, please forgive me. I thank you for your grace. The prayer is coming up right now, and you just pray it in the quietness of your own heart. Say this, Father, I thank you that Jesus died for my sins. And this morning I recognize that I am a sinner in need of salvation. I cannot save myself. I cannot try to be better to save myself. It is only through who you are and what you've done for me that I can be saved. And this morning, I recognize that I need your help for salvation. I pray, Holy Spirit, please forgive me for my sins. I repent of my sins. I say, I don't want to live this way anymore. I ask you for your grace and your forgiveness. And thank you that I can be accepted as a child of God. Because your word teaches me that if I believe that Christ was raised from the dead, I am a child of God. And this morning... I receive your salvation. I receive your forgiveness into my life. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus. Just as heads are still bowed and eyes closed, I want to make sure that we, we, we don't just rush ahead. Because this is one of the most, the most important decisions that people can ever make. It's a decision for Christ. And so, if you sit here and, and you've prayed this prayer right now, just shoot up your arm, your hand, and just say, hey, I've prayed that. Please just pray with me. Support me. Just whatever. Whoever has done that prayer and just pray that prayer. If you here, please just, just put your hand up. And nobody's looking around. You're just saying, I prayed that prayer. I want to give an opportunity for people to do that. Anyone? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace, Lord. Thank you for that. I want to pray another prayer. And I want to ask that those of us that are here that are saying, I've actually not really understood, and I want to grow, and I want to pursue a greater understanding of what the resurrection has accomplished for me. I want to pray for those people right now. And if you are there, I want to ask you to stand. Just to say, God, I'm, I need to grow in this. I need to... I need to have this thing become more real in my life. This is not an embarrassing thing. It's just, I need to grow in this. Why don't you just quickly stand to your feet? I'd love to pray with you. Just anyone. So the resurrection has been a nice story, but the full realization of it, I've not actually grasped, and I want to grow in that. Anyone, please stand.
It is not a sin to acknowledge that we need to grow in this area. It is not. And right at the moment, people are wrestling with that thought, what will others think of me? It's rubbish, that. It's rubbish. For some of you, this morning's preach has been a revelation, some of the things that I've mentioned. And if that is the truth for your life, then you've got to say and stand and say, Lord, I need to grow in this. It's just a start now. I need to have more of this. So please, let's, let's come before the Lord. There's a moment where we're saying, God, I'm, I want to humble myself. I want to say, God, I need you. Please help me to grow in these things. Thank you, Father. Lord, we, as your people, we recognize our need for you. And right now, Lord, I want to say that I need to grow in the understanding of what you did for me on the cross and the empty tomb, what it truly means. So, Lord, I, I want to stand and say, Jesus, please, through your Holy Spirit, help me to live in the fullness of what was done for me through the empty tomb. Lord, I pray for us collectively. I don't know if you want to identify with us too, where we say, God, please forgive us our ignorance. Our ignorance where we've just been happy with a portion of the truth and not pursued more. I pray as a church, Lord God, that you will help us to, to be sincere about this and say, God, the resurrection and I is something that I need to grow in the full understanding of that. And so God, we pray that for us as individuals, you will help us in this way. I pray that we will perhaps even go and do the 28, 16, 24, and 20 route, that journey. Even today, in the next couple of days, that we will go and sit and say, I want to just read through it again. And then I want to go read through what Paul and the others write about what it means that Jesus died on the cross for me and that he was resurrected. I pray, Father, for us as a church for a, for a determination and a commitment, Lord God, and a pursuit of the truth about the resurrection. Father, I trust for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we prepare our hearts just for communion right now, I... Somebody sent us on a group last night a beautiful, beautiful um, video clip of a song that was rewritten. In 1985, there was a song written called Hallelujah by a man called Leonard Cohen. But it was really not anything to do with Christianity. It had a few references somewhere to God, but it's really not a message in it. And it's no discredit to him. But then in, in um, somewhere 2000, um, a lady um, was asked to sing the song in church one day over Easter. And she said, well, none of these words are really relevant for where we are over Easter. And, and she rewrote them. Kelly Mooney is her name. And she rewrote this song. And it's now called the Easter Hallelujah. Um, and then just last two weeks ago, the two sisters in, in uh, Canada um, that recorded this song together, and they sing about everything related to Easter. What I want you to do is, as we prepare our hearts for, for 
communion. And communion, by the way, is for all of you that are born-again believers. It's not about membership to King City Church that determines whether you can partake of communion. It's whether Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. And you're the only one right now that will know if that is true. Your fruit will also show, but if that is true of your life, your confession, then the table is open. But we're going to sing, well, not sing, we're going to watch the song. It's just five minutes. And I want to let you read the words as, as they sing. It'll come up. I want to let it prepare your heart for communion. And out of that, we will, we will break bread and, and uh, drink and uh, celebrate what Jesus has done for us. So why don't you just enjoy this? It's an amazing, amazing um, version of it. So God bless you as you watch it. A crown of thorns placed on his head He knew that he would soon be dead He said, did you forget me, Father, did you? Took from his head the thorny crown and wrapped him in a linen gown, then laid him down to rest inside. 
we thank you that we do not serve a God that's dead but a God that is alive and it's the only one of all the small little gods that have proclaimed that they are God that have gone through death and has conquered death that this morning we can say hallelujah which really means praise God hallelujah he is alive and Lord, as we break bread and share of the cup now, that is what we celebrate, that you are alive. And that because you being alive, we come alive. We can be alive. We can be set free from prison, the prison of sin. And thank you this morning, Lord God, that as we do this now, break bread and celebrate you, we celebrate it from this victorious understanding of what Jesus has done for us. And we thank you for it. Thank you, my Lord. 